What's up, everybody? Welcome to the first ever Kingdom Crew podcast featuring myself, Michael Darcy, and Lucas from the Beat of KC. Say what's up, guys. What's going on? Welcome what's to the up? pod. What's up? Yeah, no, so we're all super excited to do this. Uh, we've been talking about it for a while. Uh, announced it today to everyone that we're coming together and we're going to be doing a podcast. We're going to be covering Chiefs, Royals, all that good stuff. We're going to be doing a bunch of stuff throughout the season. Uh, we were really wanting to do this for a while, and it's just we, – we just formed a super team, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you can't beat them, join them, you know what I mean? I think you said it best uh, when Thanos gets all the Infinity Stones. That, yeah. that got me. I like that. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. It, it, it's it's great because it's just – it makes you really feel um, inspired to, like, really make this uh, a huge successful thing, and I hope it does. And I know all of us collectively have a decent fan base going on, which can translate to success – with our new podcast, but we can talk about all that later. Let's get into some Chiefs talk because we're in the thick of training camp preseason. We actually got football to talk about. Uh, we've got performances to form opinions on because we just had our first preseason game. I know all of us have kind of done our little videos going over the preseason game and stuff, but now we're all here together to kind of share our thoughts. So uh, it kind of makes it still newsworthy, but uh I'll go ahead and just we'll do round table. Michael, we'll start with you. Yeah. Um, what were some of your biggest takeaways from the Chiefs first preseason game versus the 49ers? Can I say something Honestly, really quick? I think... <laughs> yeah, hey, go, go ahead. ahead, Lucas. Hey, uh, can we uh give Michael credit and cl- give a couple claps for live streaming that entire first preseason game? <laughs> Holy smokes, man. How you managed to do that. I got it. There it is. All right. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah. Well, not only that, Michael, but I don't know. Not only that, Michael, but I'm also impressed with how many times you had to calmly reiterate to the fans that you couldn't show what was on TV. Oh, oh my God. People don't understand that you're going to get a copyright strike if you're just like, guys, I'm watching the game right here. No, it's not how it works. I provided them with an illegal cough cough illegal stream and they still weren't even happy with that so can't please everybody but uh what stood out to me i think think um a lot of things on the individual position um the offensive line looked really good chris jones had a sack um the secondary two guys that in my mind really stick out are deandre baker and Mike Hughes and Mike Hughes was doing it. Not only in the secondary, he was returning punts or, or kickoffs too. I mean, he looked really good on all facets of the game, but I think the secondary is a lot better than I thought it was. And I'm really happy about that because I was a big, like, Oh, the chiefs really messed up by not bringing back Rashad Breland. But after seeing that first preseason game and seeing some of the depth that we had, I'm not really worried anymore. I mean, obviously if we're, uh, able or if we're going to suffer a few injuries at some point through the season, we'd be a little bit stretched, but that's every team. That's not just the chiefs. That's literally every team. If you suffer injuries, you're going to be thinner at that position. But I think it kind of just showed you that the chiefs are confident in the team that they have. And I, I would honestly say that after that first preseason game, that uh, my concerns are much less. For sure. Yeah, I, I could agree with that. 
Um, and I've said it uh, now on my own. I'm really impressed with Mike Hughes as a returner. That was really refreshing for me to see just because I've been really disappointed with McCole Hardman, given his speed and his big playability, how badly he struggled as a return man and how the coaching staff continually put trust in him, even though he made boneheaded decisions time after time. Mike Hughes was out there running over people. He had some nice returns. And if that's the kind of return game we're going to have next season, I'm very excited. But yeah. uh, Lucas, I'll let you go ahead and give some of your thoughts, some of your big takeaways from the first preseason game. For sure. I really wanted to focus in on the defense as well. I think we we can understand that you have a pretty established offense. You do have some pieces that are going to be sprinkled in and some things you wanted to look at, like Noah Gray, um, you know, Powell coming in when he were able to get in, see how this offensive line would shape up after obviously the first. But I was really honed in on that defense because I've been preaching um, if this defense can be top 15, you're going to have a very lethal NFL football team. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big UDFA guy. Um, I like to really see what undrafted free agents are going to make an impact and, and potentially make this team because, like, I, you know, me and Michael talked today, there's a shot that, you're going to have to pay some guys further on Orlando Brown, honey badger needs an extension. So you're going to have to be able to hit on your draft picks and you're going to have to be able to hit on some undrafted free agents. So I really been paying attention to like Devin key. I like Bo Peep keys as a, an option there at the cornerback spot. Um, you know, we're seeing some of those other guys step up in, in some very key roles. And um, you know, these young guys on the defensive line, like Mike Dana and, and Wharton and Tim Ward doing some good stuff. And, those are the types of players that I like to really see be productive because they have a good shot at making this team. Um, but like we also talked today, I'm, I'm, I've been such an advocate on this secondary. They're going to be facing some tremendous receivers this year, but I again yeah. will continue to pound the rock, you know, pound the table for these guys because I think this secondary can be special um, and it just got to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, you hit the nail on the head there, Lucas, because they are facing a lot of talented receivers this year. Uh, Stephon Diggs again, Defonte yep. Adams. Um, I mean, heck, their own division's got some horses, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. But uh, I definitely can agree with you guys that I came away from the first preseason game feeling a little bit better about our secondary. Um but since we hit on the secondary uh, pretty much, I'm going to go ahead and shift over to basically what was one of the big uh, focal points of this offseason and the offensive line. What did you guys think? And we'll go roundtable again um, of the Chiefs offensive line, the first look at the new offensive line. How do you guys think they did? And did you take anything away from their first performance together? Michael, we'll start with you. Yeah. Um, well, honestly, I, I believe that the, the starting offensive line got a quarter when guys like Patrick Mahomes only got a drive. Mm -hmm. But I thought that, that that offensive line, there was a play where uh, Trey Smith just absolutely pushed this dude and he went flying. And Clyde basically just had a clear path through the side of the field. I mean, I think this team is really, or this offensive line rather, is really looking good. Um, and, and honestly, I, I was more impressed by how the offensive line performed, not even the first string guys, the second string guys with like uh, um, Nick Allegretti and um, uh, the center Austin Blythe and a couple other dudes that aren't really 
um, going to start this season unless injury happens. They looked pretty good. And honestly, we saw what happened last year when you didn't have depth, and that's what came back to hurt them. But I think the Chiefs have so much depth on this team, and that's with guys like Kyle Long and Laurent DuVernay-Tardif not even playing. So I was really impressed with the second-string offensive line. But the first-string offensive line, it's going to be special. I mean, Orlando Brown, he just is such a gifted blocker, and I think he's going to basically keep Mahomes uh, scotch-free all season long. I think that Tooney's going to be great in the running game. Uh, We know Trey Smith's going to be good in the running game. Creed Humphrey, uh, the rookie, he's starting. I think that he's probably going to win that job. Um, That's why they brought him in. And Lucas Niang honestly looked pretty good, too. This was his first game in, like, it was his first NFL game, first off, but it was his first football game in like over, I don't want to say a year and a half, two years. Cause basically almost two years. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly going up against these were NFL competition because he went up against like the 49ers first string defense. Um, so it, it is a, a very good sign that our offensive line with all the new pieces was able to hold up the way that they did in just the first preseason game. Most definitely. Yeah, no, uh, and Lucas, before getting to you, I want to say that, and I mentioned this myself too earlier today in one of my videos, but, um, I mean, you mentioned it with Lucas Diang uh, flashing in his first game of action or game in action. He, mm-hmm. I think, gained some ground uh, if he wasn't already ahead, uh, but he gained some ground on Mike Remmers for that right tackle spot because I think yeah. uh, Remmers versus Niang is probably one of, if not the tightest position battle on the Chiefs right now. Um, but with Mike Remmers out with injury and Lucas Niang looking pretty dang good in his first game, looks like I think Lucas Niang, he's probably now the betting favorite uh, to be the starting right tackle week one. Lucas, what are your thoughts on that? And then just some of your other general takeaways. Yeah, you know, um, I think for the offensive line, we have to understand that they really have to approach it with depth perspective because injuries will happen. Um, And that was the biggest downfall to this team towards the end of the year is we ran out of steam and we really ran ran out of players to plug in. I mean, we were putting guys out of position. So for us to have depth at the offensive line, um, I think that's what's most significant because if a guy does go down like a Lucas Niang or an Austin Blythe, you know, I mean, or, you know, and Creed Humphrey and Austin yeah. Blythe can step in there or a Mike Rimmers can step in there. I think those are still good pieces to add in there and your offensive line doesn't take a hit where like last year we were having to stick Mike Rimmers at left tackle in the Super Bowl and um, way out of position. Allegretti was, you know, playing left guard, which there's nothing wrong with that, but you're asking a lot for a guy who was drafted pretty deep down in the draft. So I like the depth that we have. We still have Kyle Long coming back from an injury. Um, one of the big things too, though, that I really, uh, you know, we kind of hit on it again today because we really were talking a lot is, you know, are they going to roll with four tight ends? Um, you obviously know Travis Kelsey is going to make the squad. There's no way he's not going to make the squad, but you know, you really start to go into question is, is Blake Bell going to stay on this team? Is mm-hmm. Jody Fortson going to find a way to make the squad? You know, and then finally, yeah. And then they draft Noah yeah. Gray. So um, my, my first take is that they will go with four tight ends. I, I personally believe there they we will. go. Um, and, and I think that they've been running. Uh, I did a little bit of more research when I got home and they've been running a package called Rhino. And that's honestly when three tight ends are on the field. And I feel if that's a play and a package you're implementing, 
you have the intention of keeping four tight ends. So I'm going with it, man. I like it. I think Fortson is showing out at camp. We saw it today. Thank you. Some Jody Fortson love. Yeah. And um, I'm a big, I mean, you guys know, I'm a big Noah Gray fan as it is already. Mm -hmm. I think he's done enough. Um, You know, he'll shake off the rust at times. Like he had a drop, but I think he's definitely, they drafted him for a reason. I like it. um, And that's what I'm going to keep paying attention to going into this next game. Yeah, no. So Jody Fortson, I feel like, and I said it, I know I keep saying this. I said it earlier, but uh, Jody Fortson is someone I feel like has a great training camp every single year. And everyone's like, oh man, Jody Fortson, this guy, he's a gem. Yeah. And then they, he gets stuck on the practice squad and never plays. But I feel like something's telling me this year is going to be the year Jody Fortson finally, finally makes it. And I have been just clamoring for the Chiefs to use Fortson because like I said, he has he's not going to be the next megatron i'm not saying he's going to be calvin johnson but he's got that frame you know what i mean like he is massive like you yeah. just ha- just use him in the red zone have mahomes toss him a 50 50 ball he's going to come down with it 90 percent of the time like you got to be able to use someone like that i mean if you're really truly comparing him to a tight end now i think your true comparison's darren waller because that the the body style and and what you're projecting as far as the catchability and things like that. I think that's a perfect translation. And he's put on some muscle too, which makes him yeah. even more yeah. useful. Well, yeah. Fortson's basically, I mean, he's, he's a receiver and a tight end like body now. And I, and I think, you know, we were talking about, hopefully he does make the team. I, I think that he's going to make the practice squad. I, I just, I have a weird feeling that they're just going to uh, do him wrong again, but I'm worried that this is going to become the Dion Yelder saga again. And, and that's, a concerning thing for me because Dion Yoder was the guy, Oh, this dude looks fantastic. And then he never really ended up doing anything. And obviously Jody Fortson's a much better player and has more hype around him. But I hope that doesn't, that's not what happens to him because Fortson's had one of the best camps out of any player in, in the entire team. So I think that he's a guy that if he doesn't make the team, I think it might just be because you signed Blake Bell and you drafted Noah Gray. Any other year, he's making the team. I think because there's so many question marks around what you have in the depths of your receiving position, that when it comes down to a, throwing him out in the slot or even putting him on the outside on the opposite end of a Tyreek Hill is more attractive than potentially throwing a Darius Fountain out there or, yeah. uh, or excuse me, yeah, Darius Fountain. I think it's Darius Fountain. Darius. Or throwing, yeah, or throwing Shepard out there or yeah. – some of those guys out there where you could throw a monster of a man out there and knowing that he's going to go up and catch the ball and, and be willing to go over the middle and do that thing. And so I think that's where he has an up on those guys and he does have that receiver background. So I'm pulling for him. I'm, I, I'm hoping that this happens because I want to see the Rhino package. Well, you know, I want to be careful with my words here, but back in the Uh-oh. draft a year ago, um, not this past draft, but the draft before that. I was a huge fan of Chase Claypool. I wanted the Chiefs to get Chase Claypool, kind of make him a, a tight end, wide receiver hybrid. Jody Fordson can have the same impact a Chase Claypool can have because he's got you know the size and that ability to kind of win over the middle, like you said. Uh, he's kind of that same body type. He's not as athletic or as fast as Chase Claypool, but he's similar in the ways that I just said that like, 
you you sh- the Chiefs need to use someone like that. Like they need someone like that in this offense that can be a change of pace. Most definitely, yeah, most yeah. definitely. And I, you know, I, I think he just fits more of what the Chiefs are trying to accomplish in some facets than I do because we don't have on that as- opposite end outside of like maybe Demarcus Robinson. I, I'm not 100 sure on his height, but. Outside of DeMarcus, you don't really truly have a big guy that can go out there and play on the outside. And so I feel that he fits that role perfectly. Like, you know, if you're within the 20, if even if you're in the red zone, to throw him out there or even in the slot and maybe have Kelsey go line up on the outside, I think that's such an, a tough matchup because you have no idea what to really defend. Yeah, yeah. no, most certainly. Um I do want to talk about, since we're kind of on the topic of receiving and catching the ball, kind of looking at the receivers from the first preseason game. I feel like there was a couple of guys that uh, made a case for themselves and a couple of guys that maybe were a disappointment. Mm-hmm. I'll just go ahead and start with uh, someone that we all love to talk about, McCole Hardman. Um, should this past game be a cause for concern or are we reading too much into it? I kind like, I wanted to see some progression from him. Granted he had very limited snaps and it's one play, but I didn't like to see him drop that ball because McCole, he's had some trouble with drops in the past and you definitely want to see him catch that ball. But do we think it's a cause for concern? Um, I don't know if it's a cause for concern. I, I, I do think, you know, we're talking about players that have had the best camps. Miko Hardman has had, you could say, the best camp out of any wide receiver on this team. And and I think that it's because I think he he did get a lot better at catching the football from what I saw in person. His mm-hmm. route running looks better. Um, and honestly, it looked like he was actually finishing his routes and his plays, which is which is what a wide receiver should do. But he wasn't doing that in the past. So. I'm glad to see that, but I don't think it's much of a reason to be concerned just because, like I said, he just got such limited snaps that I, I think Noah Gray had to drop two. I don't know if Kelsey did. I think Kelsey actually did he even have a catch. I, the, the thing is, is no one that is going to play any substantial snaps this year or any minutes really got engaged in that first preseason game. It just really didn't happen. It was more of a battle to see who could Honestly, I think that the guys like Maurice French and Darius Shepard and Fountain, those guys are really battling for a practice squad spot, at least in my opinion. And I think that's kind of why I think they got the majority of the look, so to speak. But, you know, you brought up the receivers, and I kind of wanted to talk about this as well. Cornell Powell is a guy that I'm really disappointed that they're not getting him more engaged in the offense. He's a guy that, in my opinion, besides Tyree Kill, he might be the best route runner on this team. And I, I honestly don't even think that's that much of a hot take. Oh, uh, wait, wait, wait. Kelsey's better. I want to clarify that. Kelsey and Hill Strictly receivers, better. though, you're correct. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just think that he got targeted a couple times at the end of that game, and he made two great catches. So it's just like there's obviously some reason why he is not having the impact that he should be having because – He's got the talent, and he's just not getting the the looks and the opportunity. And you can see that even in camp. Well, I, so I, go ahead. 
Uh, sorry, Lucas, I'll let you get your words in a second. I wanted to ask you guys, because my friend mentioned this, and I'm not sure if it's 100% true, because I didn't get to catch the end of the game much of when Cornell Powell was in. But from what I heard, is it true that Garrick Dieter is still ahead of Cornell Powell on the depth chart? I'd have to look, but I'm pretty sure well, – I'm not sure on the depth chart, but here's my perspective. I kind of mentioned it in the end of the live stream. I think that they know what – a special talent Cornell Powell is. I understand them not giving him the full reps like we may have wanted as fans. I think that, again, you answered it yourself, Michael. I think that they're giving these guys an opportunity to show out to make the practice squad. Yeah. And I think they feel that Powell's already made this team. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot more of Powell in this next game just because this was his first game. It was a way to implement him into the NFL environment. Um, and it wasn't in a such – of a stressful situation where he goes out and is running around and drops three balls in a row and is kind of having that situation. I think they slowly worked him in. Um, and I think you'll see more of him this next game just because, you know, they wanted to see what a Marcus Kemp can provide. They wanted to see what a yeah. fountain can provide. They want to see well, what those guys do because then they'll slap them on the practice squad. And we have Cornell Powell going out there every week you know, weekend on Sunday or Monday or whatever. And he's playing just normal snaps. Yeah. No, that's really well, fair. And really, really quickly, let me add this. Yeah, go My ahead. biggest thing, it's not even that he wasn't getting the proper um, looks in the preseason game. It's just when I've been at training camp and I've been there like seven or eight times, mm-hmm. he's not getting any receptions. He's not even getting any looks like he's running with like the three and the fours and he's not even getting any receptions on those squads. That's what concerns me. It's not that he's not doing anything in the preseason game because we've seen plenty of Chiefs receivers that didn't really have an impact in the preseason, but they showed out at camp. And, and Cornell Powell has been, I don't want to say uh, underachieving, but he's just been very, very quiet. Well, my question for you on that is, too, is look at Byron Pringle, for example. I mean, Brian, Byron Pringle was an undrafted free agent who had to go to the practice squad at some point, but look where he's at now and yeah. has earned his way to that point. And I think that Powell is a similar situation. He didn't play a ton of snaps at Clemson, um and he wasn't that featured guy at Clemson so yeah he but he does block well and I think that's what a lot of what they've envisioned him doing and then going and doing everything else but I think he'll work his way in and I think he'll definitely earn that spot because if you really think about it they didn't sign DeMarcus right away they waited and waited and waited and then finally brought him back in so with DeMarcus only on a one-year deal Powell could easily fill in to what that is next year, you have Mecole still there. You have Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. And then now you're t- starting to talk like Cornell Powell and some of the, you know, Byron Pringle's still going to be there. So basically I think they're going to be working him in and replacing DeMarcus in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, this is good dialogue we're having because I think, you know, uh, other than Cornell Powell, there's a lot of receivers on this team that, just are really interesting case studies because they're like I've said before, uh, a lot of guys that, you know, probably aren't bona fide twos or even threes, but they can all give you a little bit of everything to where you don't need a bona fide two or three. Like I thought Darius Fountain looked really good in the first preseason game. And from what I've heard, he's gotten a lot of hype in training camp or just a lot of hype in general. Um, he's someone that I guess, 
a lot of people have always thought had potential and he's a really good athlete, just hasn't gotten the opportunity so far. Maybe the Chiefs give him that Antonio Callaway, who's currently hurt. We heard really good things uh, about him uh, until he got hurt, obviously didn't play in the last game because of that. So, I mean, if it's not McColl, if it's not Cornell Powell, you know, I still have faith that this Chiefs receiver group has enough to get by because there's a lot of guys that I think if they reach their, it's almost similar to the cornerback group. You know, there's a lot of these guys that could they bust maybe, but if all of them reach their ceilings, it could be a hell of a group. Yeah. I think that's what, I think that's honestly is something you got to really look at too. And I think that's why it's so tough for them. Because, you know, you're really going to have to evaluate that because we were talking for tight ends. Maybe that is something that they feel like, hey, we need all these receivers versus the tight ends. And we see one of those guys sneak onto the squad because you did mention Garrett Dieter. Um, you know, it, we Marcus Kemp is, has been shown out in camp, and we know that he's a good special teamer. Um, you know, that's a, a something to always consider. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do and – I wouldn't be surprised if that is what is mostly heavy in that practice squad is receiver just because, yeah. I mean, and, and another thing is like Byron Pringle has been looked at very heavily on the special teams for kick returns. And, and we know he ran one back last year against Denver. So, you know, I think Byron Pringles has earned his spot finally, and I think he'll definitely be making the squad. So yeah, it's just, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. No, certainly. I mean, they got a lot of options and I think you nailed it, Lucas. I think they're going to have uh, quite um, a large number of receivers on the practice squad. And I really wish the NFL would stick to the, um, ex the expanded practice squad um, number because I, there's just so many guys that I like that I kind of wish they would mm -hmm. stick with that. So you can keep more of those guys. Cause I mean, we haven't even talked about guys like Darius Shepard or Maurice French who, still have potential uh, there's just so many different names but um moving who's on the kid from who's the kid from notre dame real quick that is oh that, is um that... finky something finky is it is yeah, his first name I, tim he's not even on the team i don't think is okay because i i, I think we caught him. him did they okay yeah. scratch well, really that. quickly i thought about <laughs> this when you brought up josh about the nfl this isn't really chiefs related but i thought hey it's something fun to talk about i think we all have a pretty uh, sparked opinion on this. The NFL has changed a lot. And what I mean by that is they're starting to crack down on the celebrations. And I personally think that's not a good thing. I think it's bad for football. I think it's basically the best equivalent I can get give is like uh, baseball boomers getting mad at the bat flips because it's bad for baseball. No, it's not. So why don't we go around the table? Well, Josh, you want to start us off? What is your thoughts on the NFL's new rule change? And they're giving like out flags way more frequently for stuff that's really not that bad. I will say that uh, I'm not too worried about it right now because this is actually something the NFL has done with a lot of their rule changes is they'll be very heavy. Uh, they'll be very heavy on it in preseason and then come regular season. They don't call it nearly as much. Like I remember a couple of years ago when they really started cracking down on the, uh, roughing the passer kind of or like when they hit them from like shoulders are up it was a penalty like every time I remember Tano Passanio got a sack in the preseason against the Bears and it was like a perfect play and they called roughing the passer and everyone was like oh my gosh this is a BS look at all these roughing the passers they're calling and then regular season came 
not nearly as many calls. I think really what this is, is the NFL setting the tone uh, and they're going to pull flags basically on any little bit of taunting. And then when the regular season comes, there is going to be less flags pulled for some of the lesser taunting uh, kind of acts per se. Um, and you're also going to see players taunting less out of fear of getting flags because of the way they call it in preseason. I'm a little curious because they completely like let up on full reins of celebrations in the end zone. But now because a player celebrates a play in, in, in per se, because a perfect example was the other day, I couldn't tell you the name, but it was the Indianapolis Colts. The guy literally drugged the entire defense comes out of the pile and is celebrating and the, the ref immediately throws a flag. And I'm thinking to myself, we have guys getting bowled down in the end zone by a fake bowling ball and their pins. And that's acceptable, but you can't get up and get in somebody's face because you just drove the opposing team 15 yards. I just, I, I agree with you, Josh. I think that at some point they're going to reevaluate and think, well, we're letting them dive into the stands and mess with the cameras, mm -hmm. but we can't let them kind of just, slam the football down out of excitement because they did something great. I think it'll get reevaluated. And I think it's something that will we'll see kind of get manipulated. Yeah, definitely. Um, thanks for bringing that up, Michael, though, because that's uh, an interesting debate. Going yeah. On. I don't, it was on my mind. Cause it's just like, I, I think that that would be really bad for the sport of football. If that was ending If that, if they call it as strictly as they're doing it right now. Yeah. I think it's something they'll tone down and we'll all kind of forget about it, but. We'll see. Um, I did want to say, though, uh, before we talked about that, that I was very impressed with Jarek McKinnon from the first preseason <laughs> game. Yeah, see, Lucas, you were ready for it. Um, oh, yeah. Jarek McKinnon looked really good. and I, I, I love it because he's the kind of player that I think just he was handed this perfect scenario where he's this running back that, you know, has suffered through some injuries, um, probably got jumped when he – was in San Francisco on the depth charge just because they were used to life without him. Uh, and he just had signed that new deal after some great years, the Vikings and everything. And, you know, now his value is kind of low. Andy Reid, one of the greatest offensive play callers of all time, calls him up, says, Hey, do you want to join us? Brand new offensive line. He looks totally rejuvenated and he was really impressive in that first preseason game. And I'm just really excited for what they have in store for him. What do you guys think? Michael, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I, I've i been on the Jarek McKinnon bandwagon for a while now. I think that, honestly, the Chiefs are probably going to take three running backs. I'd be surprised if they carried four. If they I think keep, those guys are – If they keep Jody ahead, Fortson – No, I was going to say real quick, if they want to keep Jody Fortson, thus keeping four tight ends, uh, you're probably going to have to offset that by letting Darwin Thompson go. So, yeah, three running backs. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, I could go on about Darwin Thompson because he's had a terrible training camp, but Jared McKinnon's a guy that I think has really shown out in camp. He's looked good uh, in today's uh, post uh, training camp video. I was talking about how elusive he is. I mean, he's able to catch the ball to the backfield and he's just able to cut up field and he looks really, really good. And it's, it's something that I don't want to say that uh, Daryl and Clyde can't do because Clyde does, uh, what Jarek does probably a little bit better, obviously, but you know, Jared McKinnon is a better finesse back, so to speak, than Darrell Williams. Darrell Williams is going to get the rock and he's going to plow through you to get the first down yeah. on like third and short situations or 
and, and just in moments where you need really tough yardage, Jarrett McKinnon's a guy that could literally catch a screen pass and take it to the house. And I think that we kind of saw that. And honestly, I was more impressed by kind of the complete package that he was. You saw that hit in the preseason. He was coming downhill. He just smacked whoever the 49ers returner was. And I think that if he can do that in addition to what he can bring as a running back, his roster spot's basically secured. Yeah, I think, uh, you you know, I kind of told you today, I think he definitely jumped on the de- on the depth chart. I think he's going to be sitting number two. I think Daryl's obviously got a a, neat, a niche for what he accomplishes. Um, you know, I think he's definitely like your blocking back. He definitely lays the boom when it comes to, to being that blocking back. And um, I think he can definitely be that ground and pound when you need it. So I think he, you know, definitely is still on the squad for sure. But I think he falls down to three just because of what Jarek McKinnon provides from uh, now special teams and obviously being able to catch plus also run the RPO and things like that. I wouldn't be surprised though. And may, you guys may correct me, but when did we sign Deandre Washington? Was that kind of a post uh, like preseason sign or was that like more in the middle of like the preseason? Because my thinking is, is that Darwin is definitely going to be on the practice squad or off the team completely. And I could see them going out and making a signing similar to like a DeAndre Washington, where he may make the squad with the team, but it'll be a way for him to kind of learn and develop. And then if that doesn't happen, then he gets cut as well. Cause Washington, I don't think even made the first game, but yeah. I immediately think of well, how many. So no, no, I'll go ahead and fill it in for you. So DeAndre Washington was like a late offseason signing before yeah. last year. And then if you remember, he got traded to the Miami Dolphins at the trade yes. deadline for that sixth and seventh round pick swap. So yeah. we used that sixth round pick to draft uh, Trey Smith, I think it was. Yeah. Um, okay. But uh, yes, no. So DeAndre Washington, oh, he was a late round oh flop or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I know, right? Um, I could That's be wrong, insane. but I think it was Trey Smith. Anyway, um, but I think Darwin Thompson, he could go on the practice squad. But honestly, with Darwin, like, I've always, you know, thought pretty highly of Darwin. I just think the issue with him is that he doesn't do enough to separate himself from the other running backs. It's just, it's, it's tough because I like Darwin. I think he's a decent running back. And I definitely think that if the chiefs cut him, I think the chiefs will cut him to be completely honest with you, but I think another team will pick him up and he'll find a nice role elsewhere. I just think since the day he's been drafted, it just, hasn't worked out for whatever reason and they're just there's not a role for him on this team see yeah i I hate to go ahead go ahead i I was kind of hoping and i think that there's you know because of how many backs houston has like philip Lindsay's down there mark ingram's down there rex burkhead's down there i mean those guys are loaded you know if one of those guys gets cut who's to say you don't i mean i always wish philip Lindsay would have played for the kansas city chiefs i think he fits perfectly to what we're trying to accomplish but you know, who knows? I think by adding a weapon like that, just to to pair with everything we have is just an additional piece, kind of like a Le'Veon with a lot less risk. Um, I think, you know, they'd be more accepting to be on a, a Super Bowl potential team versus, you know, being on the Houston Texans. So yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens at the running back position, just because I think we have enough, but we see that injuries happen and 
um, it'll be interesting to see what, what they end up doing with that position. Well, really quickly going back to Darwin and, you know, I was a huge Darwin Thompson fan. I think that he has a lot of talent. I was high on him and it really kind of started to shift towards the end of last year. And I think, and, and honestly, I hate to be that guy. I think his biggest downfall, unfortunately, is his height. He yeah. just cannot do what, okay, there's a different body type that Clyde and Darwin Thompson have. Darwin Thompson is short, but he doesn't have the, the bulky and the stockiness that Clyde has. Clyde's a short dude. But he's got some tree trunk legs, and he is a he's a guy that you're gonna have to actually push him out of the way. Darwin Thompson's a guy that if you literally just get the leverage on him, he's light enough to the point where we've seen it in the training camp practices. You can lift him off the ground and just throw him to the ground. And and I really, it's really unfortunate because I think that if he was a guy that was six one six two two twenty five, he might be a top five running back in this league. He's got the talent. It's just, unfortunately, he doesn't have the the body to go with it. And I, I just think that, you know, I think Josh said it perfectly. He just doesn't do enough well. He can't block. And for a guy that really has to uh, fight his way onto the field, if you can't do that, and <laughs> that's a major way these running backs get acclimated to the system. If you can't do that, you're just kind of out of luck. Yeah, it's unfortunate because, like, well, you mentioned it. He's got a different body type than Clyde, like, Darwin Thompson, I, I always, I'm always going to be a Darwin, uh, excuse me, a Darwin Thompson fan because he's always had that underdog mentality. You know, people have told him he's too small forever. And I mean, even though he's probably undersized, too short to be a running back or play in the NFL, uh, he really has worked very hard because he is rocked. Yeah. He has made for his lack of size. He's made up for his lack of size by hitting the weight room probably every day. I mean, he is. Well, Anna, and you brought it up. His work ethic is very, very good. In training camp, he's always the the last one on the jugs machine, and he was running sprints up the hill. It's just like, and that's why it hurts so much because he's got the work ethic and he's got the talent. It's yeah. just not coming together. And, and that's why it's just, it's sad. It's really sad. Yeah. And the reason why Clyde, I think, is so much better than him is because the center of gravity part of things. Uh, it's not even so much that Clyde has, you know, because Darwin Thompson, I mean, that dude front squats like 600 pounds. Like he's as strong as like a defensive tackle, but he's a running back. The problem is he just doesn't have that center of gravity. And something I noticed that he does a lot that um, kind of hurts him is he leaves his feet way too often, tries to hurdle guys. Uh, whereas he probably needs to work on running through them or going around them. He, he, he leaves his feet too much. It's an injury concern as well. And like you said, Michael, it just sucks. Cause I've, I've always been a Darwin Thompson fan because of the aforementioned reasons, but I think when he's ultimately let go, he will find a nice home somewhere else. Cause look, when he got carries like back when he was a rookie, like he impressed, like he, he definitely has some good traits yeah. and I think he deserves a spot on an NFL team. I just don't think there's room for him on the chiefs. You yeah. guys want me to say it? Go ahead. Darwin Thompson. He out of here. It's <laughs> painful to hear. It's really painful to hear, but uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely going to get a job somewhere else if we do cut him for sure. I don't, I don't know. I'm on the opposite end. I think really, that- I think that he he he'll stay with the Chiefs until no more. Interesting. I think he'll end up he'll end up being on the practice squad and 
Um, that's just my thoughts. I think that he sticks with Kansas City and kind of has that feel here. And um, I just think he'll stick around. I think he'll find a way. Yeah, well, I mean, look, the truth is running backs, they miss an average of two games per year. Running back, we've seen it before. Uh, it's a position that can quickly be depleted. So maybe you're right, Lucas, and maybe Darwin Thompson does stay on the practice squad and they keep him around just in case because, I mean, at least he knows the offense. He's flashed before. So, I mean, there's I mean, a lot we've of all, that We've all happen. seen the movie Rudy, and, I mean, that's – I think Andy has a little soft spot for Darwin because, in all honesty, he shouldn't have been on the team last year, but he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think, I think when you see someone put in the time, the effort, even this, even though this is the NFL, you can find a spot for those guys in, in the practice squad. Or, um, I mean, he made this, he made some pretty significant plays on special teams. I remember he picked up the fumble and started to run towards the end zone, even though he started running towards the sidelines a little bit, but he was still able to make plays and do some stuff. So I think he sticks around. Yeah. No, it'll be interesting so. to see. I hope you're right. Yeah. Um, a couple more things before we wrap up though, I wanted to highlight the defensive line a little bit from the preseason game. Uh, I definitely think it was good to see, uh, them actually get pressure, get a lot of sacks. I mean, Tim Ward was out there getting the sacks, um, Dar or I'm sorry, Tashawn Wharton, um, Colin Saunders, Chris Jones looked like a beast as always, even with no Frank Clark out there, they seem to do pretty well. I know we can't put it too much stock into it and Colin Saunders uh, I even admitted uh, that I may have been a little bit wrong about him because I thought he was going to have a tough time making this team and maybe he still won't make the team but um, as I've mentioned if he doesn't make the team it won't be because of this first preseason game because he actually did pretty well got pressure on the quarterback but I want to hear from you guys uh, any big takeaways from the defensive line performance I'll, you want me to start? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Okay, go I, I'll go. Oh, you want to? Do you want to go first? Oh, I don't yeah, really care. I, I can go. Um, you know, I, we kind of talked. Right. We definitely kind of hit on this in the in the post uh, camp today. Um, I, you know, I was always. It's gonna sound crazy. I was for Kalen Saunders when he got drafted. Realized that there was a lot of hype about him just doing backflips, and it didn't translate right into the NFL immediately. Um, I think he definitely had to learn um you know that it's a much more physical game than what he was experiencing and there was a lot that goes into it so I think he's definitely put in the time put in the work because I did notice today when he was walking down he wasn't as I guess you could say thick as in unathletic he was more in an athletic thickness and um I think he's definitely prepared himself for a season so I like Kalen Saunders coming into the year I think you're going to need him um in in certain situations for sure so I think he has a shot but I think what impressed me the most and it showed you you don't need Frank Clark um I think it showed that kicking Chris Jones on the outside (laughs) you know that's that's music to Josh's ears (laughs) because I think kicking Chris Jones to the outside definitely showed um he has the capabilities but his sack did come at the D tackle spot but I think you're seeing guys like Wharton show out. You're seeing Mike Dana actually play pretty well. You're seeing yeah. some of those young guys take that step, which is what they hope. Um, and I would envision Kando does the same thing this year to next year. So you really have some guys, and I think maybe that's why 
they saw and they're evaluating those guys on a daily basis. They're seeing, you know, us as fans and as people are reporting, we're like, go get Justin Houston, go get Melvin Ingram. But on the inside, they're like, hey, we know what we have. We like these guys and they're going to see it on the outside. So I really like what we have. Reed looked good. Um, you know, Naughty did his thing and, and Naughty actually looks like he's chiseled down and looks pretty solid. So that's I'm excited to see what this group as a whole. We didn't even talk Alex Okafor and stuff like that. So I'm excited to see what this defensive line provides. And I think, again, we are talking without Frank Clark. There's a chance that could happen. And we still produced a good pass rush against, uh, you know, San Francisco. And they did throw out some pretty good ones against us in that first stretch. Yeah, no. So real quick before you go, Michael, I want to throw in there something that I found very interesting was how Spags and, you know, we probably should have came to this conclusion earlier back, but Spags highlighted uh, earlier this training camp, how the Chiefs have so many guys on the defensive line that they feel like can play inside and outside, which also allows snaps for Colin Saunders, because like, uh, there was a story that Chris Jones and Tershawn Wharton did yoga and Pilates this offseason. Why is that? Well, because those are both guys that the Chiefs could see playing out on the edge. The problem with like Tershawn Wharton is that he doesn't really have the bend of a defensive end. Yeah, he kind of has the frame of one, but that's why I think he did like the yoga and the Pilates because he wanted to get more of that natural bend of a defensive end. And like I said, that opens up snaps for like Colin Saunders in the middle. And they said that they think Mike Dana can play in the middle. Frank Clark can play in the middle a little bit. And this guy can play edge and that guy can play D tackle. And I think that creates so, I mean, we even saw it in the first preseason game, how they had Chris Jones on the edge on first and second down. And then on third down, all of a sudden they put him at defensive tackle again. He gets that sack right away. I mean, that's going to be so fun to watch you know catching teams off guard all of a sudden you see chris jones lined up at tackle when you thought he was going to play edge or oh wait they're putting this guy at dn that we haven't seen before and to me uh well and it's adding to what lucas said i think that's why you know they didn't go out and get a defensive end like we all wanted them to because they just have so many options now that we probably didn't really realize that they had Hey, if you guys yeah. haven't had a chance seriously to see that Chris Jones sack, go back and watch it. He absolutely annihilates that right guard. Mm-hmm. Just eats his lunch. It's incredible to see his power. But go ahead. So one guy that none of you mentioned, and I'm glad you didn't, and, and it was a guy that last night, for whatever reason, I was thinking Tinder. about. I was scrolling on Twitter. Or uh, Twinder. What the <laughs> fuck did I just? He's say? on Tinder. We got yeah, him. ladies. Got I'm on him. Tinder. I meant to say Twitter. Um, Twinder. but uh, I was scrolling on Twitter or Twinder. If you people out there want to create that app, but I was scrolling on Twitter and Taco Charlton came to the forefront of my mind, and I was like, "Wait a minute, Who? this is a dude that was drafted. <laughs> this is a dude that was drafted." in I, I want to say it was 2016 or something like that he was a first round draft pick never paying with the cowboys into the dolphins never did anything there but um he came to the chiefs last year and before he broke his ankle he was pretty damn good and, yeah and it's really difficult to come into a new system and learn the system and be effective right away and, and i think that i even found myself doing this earlier this offseason we just kind of think of taco Charlton is like, Oh, he's like a second or a third string guy. Uh, he's somebody that can come off the bench and give you snaps or someone like that. But,
but he's not really a starting caliber dude. But I, I was thinking about it. If he takes the leap, and I think that he's had a very quietly good training camp. He is one of the biggest human beings I've ever seen. And in the drills, he's looked fantastic. I think he's done really well against Orlando Brown, um, against Niang as well. But I, I think that he's a guy that has the talent and potential that, you know, the Chiefs just love to utilize. And if he is healthy this year and gets a full season in a new, uh, uh, well, not a new scheme, but he knows the scheme and he's going to get a full season fully healthy, I mean, who knows? He could get six to seven sacks. And I don't even think that's out of the question if he starts opposite of um, Chris Jones or who knows. He might even play over Frank Clark. I mean, I guess that's a little optimistic, but I'm high on Taco Charlton. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Lucas or Michael, you could even take two. Uh, yeah. What do we think of Josh Kando? Because I know we didn't mention him. Uh, I definitely think uh, after training camp, after seeing the first preseason game, he's a guy that's probably destined for the practice squad. I think it, that he's going to be treated very similar to how – Really? Spags, I think he's going to be treated how Spags does with the linebackers. I think uh, I think Kando will be similar to like a Dana where you may see him here and there, but um, I think he'll work his way, learn the system, and then be probably more of an impact player next year. Um, I think he's got too much more of too much more athleticism than a Tano pass and y'all did. And Tano was out there last year. So, um, I, I, I think he's just got to learn the system and they drafted him in a position high enough to where they had to at least see or envision something for him. I don't think they take him where they did and not, and not keep him on this roster. So that's just my thoughts. Well, honestly, I'd be. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, the reason I say destined for the practice squad is because looking at it now, I mean, they have so many options. Like, what? Are, how many linemen do they keep? Nine, ten? Is Kendall a part of that? I'm not sure. Um, but kind of like how Lucas said about Mike Dana, and I did write about this uh, relatively recently. I talked about what are our realistic expectations for Kendall year one. You know, he realistically we should expect him to have a Mike Dana type impact because he's a better athlete than Dana. He, even though he had underwhelming production at the college level, he had more production than Mike Dana did um, at Michigan. He was only at Michigan for one year, but you get my point overall. He went against better competition than Tano Passanio in college. Like there's no reason he couldn't have that type of Mike Dana impact year one. I just haven't seen anything indicating that would be the case so far. And that's kind of why I say that, but Michael, go ahead. I would be very, very surprised if they put him on the practice squad. I think unfortunately, well, not even unfortunate. I just think that he was drafted in the fourth round this year. There's a better chance he makes the team than Colin Saunders makes the team. And I think that the reason is I I think that's the, I think Colin Saunders is going to make the team too. But I think that recency bias and Colin Saunders doesn't have as much potential as Joshua Kando. But, you know, I, I live tweeted this from training camp. You can see in some of the drills, he's got a lot of talent. It's just, can he put it to use against NFL competition? And can he do it frequently? And, and what is his role going to be this year? I think it's going to be like, like you said, a Mike Dana type role. Um, I, I think it's probably going to be a little bit less because I don't think that he. Uh, is going to learn the playbook as quickly. I could be wrong, but um, I, I think that Joshua Kando is a really big developmental piece, and that's why I wasn't really happy with the pick in the moment because I was like, you don't really need 
a project piece in the fourth round. That's what a guy like Trey Smith was, but then he showed up and showed out. And I think that you could have probably picked somebody better and more impactful there, but um, they obviously like what they have in him. And I think that they see a lot of potential, but I don't see that happening this year. Hey, I got something for you real quick. So I'm, I'm evaluating, I'm looking at spot rack real quick and I'm going to pull up the defensive end. So if you guys want to, let's see for 2022, I'm going to pull up their roster. Uh, Cause I'm interested. Did we sign taco to a one-year deal? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so taco would be a one-year deal. Alex Okafor, I believe was a one-year deal. Yes. Uh, we don't know the future of Frank Clark. Um, he's still on the roster, obviously, but there's a chance he's gone. So I think some of your DNs and your defensive linemen are starting to go. So I think that's why they're going to more of a, they'll be grooming him as he's going to be more of a contributor next year. And I think this is his year to like really learn the system and learn what the NFL is all about. And then next year he's going to have to go eat. Otherwise then they're really going to be like, uh, we gave you time and, and made you learn our system and do that. So, yeah, it definitely looks like uh, he has a better shot of probably contributing next year, and I think this will be his learning year. Yeah, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Uh, we've been going for a while, so uh, I promise only a couple more things, and then we'll wrap it up <laughs> tonight. And I'm uh, Darcy's going to go to training camp tomorrow morning, so he's going to have a full him. day ahead of him. But uh, <laughs> you're on my hours, buddy. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I just grind though, boys. You got to grind. No, you definitely do. Uh, just two more things, though. Uh, one, I'm going to ask you guys uh, another, should we, is this a cause for concern? Harrison Butker missed an extra point in that first preseason <laughs> game. Now for a kicker, you can't really be like, oh, well, he went, uh, he went up against the backups and the backups, whatever. Cause I like, it's that it's not dependent on like kicking is kicking. Yeah. Like it's a pretty straightforward thing, preseason, regular season. And we all saw <laughs> the frustration last year with Butker and extra points. And then he goes out and misses an extra point in the preseason game. And should the, is this a cause for concern? Because I really hope you guys it's hear not. that. <laughs> that was Butker hitting the upright. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I'm boy. sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go it's ahead. Okay. Go ahead. No, I mean I pretty much wrapped it up there. My that thought deer kinda. is hitting Lucas right now. <laughs> no, it's, no it's it just makes me laugh right because now. I'm I'm right there with you, man. I really am. I'm uh, you know I, it's crazy to see this guy potentially make a 62 yard field goal. He came up, what, like maybe two yards short, if that. And they said he's hit it multiple times in camp, practice. I mean, this guy is, has hit that. But he just struggles literally when he's kicking extra points. I'm just nervous that at some point, you know. We, it's going to start costing that. us games. That's my concern. And I, I get, you know, I get that there's, I guess he's hitting the clutch ones. But extra points are still important. Um, and I'm just concerned that if he – misses an extra point at some point it is going to come back and it could be a, a loss to a division opponent or it something. almost did too a lot of people overlook it had if he does not miss the extra point in the other like 30 yard field goal about the distance of an extra point almost in the cleveland browns playoff game we do not panic at the end of the game there is no chad henny run for an almost first down none of that none of that happens there's no reason for panic at the end of the game if butker can just make his extra points yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think the excuse also starts to go out the door of 
Is it Townsend being able to hold it? Because, I mean, they've yeah, had – Yeah, I was just about to bring that up because I don't think he was having these problems with Colquitt. Yeah, and I, I think you at some point you got to say that that goes out the window because, yeah. I mean, you've, the holds you've had fine. time to practice. I thought the holds looked fine too. There, I know there was one where I think Townsend had like the laces in a little bit too much uh, last year. But besides that, if you go back and look, like it, it wasn't the holds. Yeah. And um, honestly, like I have, I have, what up? No, go ahead. I have a soft spot for Butker. He's a really cool dude. I, I kind of, uh, sort of, no, um, I don't know him personally, but I, I know people who know him really well. And he's a super cool dude. Um, but you know, there's only so many times we can kind of excuse this. Um, I, I sometimes like to think, Hey, you know, he makes the 58 yard field goals when we need him to, is that worth the trade off of the, the missing the extra points. And to me, I feel like it kind of is, I mean, I'm still concerned because dude, you're, you're nailing 58 and 59 yard field goals, but you're struggling with extra points. This is easy. Like I, I think Lucas could go out there and take extra points. I mean, <laughs> sign him up, but um, yeah, he told us that he could be like, what a 90 something overall and Madden as a kicker. Yeah. I would have did. There. I would have did Tommy Townsend today. Tommy Townsend shanked like a hundred of them today. So yeah, yeah sign me up. Yeah, and I I think that honestly Butker is probably going to be a little bit better at that this year. Uh, I was actually looking on not Twinder, Twitter, and um, apparently I think the beer's uh, getting to you, buddy. Yeah, seriously, I'm sober as hell right now. But um, uh, so I was uh, on Twitter, and apparently behind Justin Tucker, Harrison Butker has like the highest. Yeah. Uh, I think it's field goal percentage out of any kicker in NFL history, which is impressive. Very, very impressive. It's a large enough sample size to this point too. Yeah. yeah, It's, it's not like he's been kicking for one year. And I, I think that my, my over my overall opinion on the Harrison Butker dilemma is that he's come up clutch more times than he's failed us. And for what he does in kicking the 58 yarders, I think it kind of outweighs the missing the extra points. Uh, I know a lot of Chiefs fans still get angry at him. They just say, you should be able to kick a football. And I get that. But we've seen in the past, you think Cairo Santos is hitting a 59-yarder? No, I don't think he is. I mean, maybe he does, but actually, maybe he did actually one time. Was that in Denver? I could be just going off the rails right now. I don't think Santos quite has the leg power. Or Yeah. Like, I don't know. What it was you... probably suck up. Yeah. Yeah suck up but uh i i still think that butker is his good outweighs the bad at least yeah no i can i can agree with that i just hope it doesn't continue to be an issue but uh glad yeah. we were able to talk about it. now i want to talk about this because it was probably the biggest thing coming out of training camp today and no both of you were there juan thornhill running with the threes what's up with that i i'll you want me to go yeah you go ahead I think it's more reps. I don't think there's anything to buy into. I think it's um, – I don't even think it's anything to be concerned about I, personally. I think it's just way to get him caught up on seeing different repetitions and different people throwing the football. And um, I even think Andy even said in his presser, like, this is just, again, more repetitions to get on his leg and um, there's nothing to even read into. I think it's – you know, we we talked. Armani Watts obviously pick. 
um, is looking good. Uh, you know, you have Dan Sorensen and what his role is going to be. Do you want I, – I, and then this is a question that was proposed. Do you want Dan Sorensen being the starter? I personally don't. I no. think Thornhill still fits that better um, yeah. just for what we run. And I think, again, it's just a way to get him out there, get him some more reps. Because um, I do think he's had a groin injury that kind of hindered him a little bit early on in camp. And so this is just a way to continuously get him caught back up. I'm not, I'm not reading into it or buying into it. I think it's definitely – um, he's going to be the starter on day one. My kind of, and Michael, I'll let you go. Just my kind of concern yeah. is like, there's got to be some kind of reason just behind the repetitions as to why he's running with the threes. Cause at this point, Juan Thornhill, he's going to be entering his third season. You know, there's veterans on this roster that, you know, aren't going to start, but you don't see them run. Like there's a reason you don't see Mahomes and Hill running with the third and fourth teams, you know? So it's just kind of, it's kind of odd to me why they'd have them running with the third teams. Now, I don't know if you guys remember, or if you can answer this, but at training camp today, was it Thornhill like running with the ones, twos and the threes, or was he like completely sitting out of the ones and then like running mostly with the threes? No, I... he... go ahead. I think I saw him running a lot with the twos and threes. I didn't really see him running with the ones. I didn't. Well, and, and that's a thing too. I noticed they ran a lot of base today. So it, tr- it was a true four, three. So you had three linebackers out there. Um, and in a lot of the situations, I can't even go back and probably pull some film and look, but um, yeah, I'm pretty sure they ran a lot of base today. And uh, you know, one person that I kind of mentioned to Darcy today is that I don't, I really haven't, seen will parks be talked about at all mm-hmm. he and had a good preseason even from game a, too well yeah, yeah and not even from a special teams perspective so maybe that's another reason why we're seeing thornhill get in there is to get more reps i think you would probably give those to like armani watts or a, a Devin key i mean i know key plays obviously the same position as the honey badger but maybe throw key out there in some positions and um, get those guys maybe more reps, but that's why I'm not really buying into it because I think if that was the case, you know, Will Parks would have been out there or something like that. Maybe he's just not going to make the squad. So they're giving Thornhill more reps. Yeah. I, I think honestly, I don't think it's anything to be worried about either. I, I did bring it up in the initial recap video. Cause I was like, Hey, that's a, it is a little bit interesting. It is a little bit fishy because I, I said this in, in the recap video. I feel like if the Chiefs valued Juan Thornhill as much as I thought they did, they wouldn't risk the injury concern. A, a guy that's dealt with the torn ACL, a guy that even recently is dealing with the uh, dealt with the torn gro- or not torn groin, but a groin issue. I mean, I, I remember seeing him uh, not today, but uh, a couple weeks ago. He was looks like he was limping a lot from that. Yeah, injury. and I was going to say, obviously, he looks better now, but. They must be trying to get him caught up to speed. You know, too, you know, too, also, I, I noticed that, you know, he's he tweeted today, too, and it was just kind of like the thinking face. And so I think a lot of people are are looking into it because of who it is. And we've yeah. seen what Juan Thornhill can provide when he's at 100 um, percent. I think that. Who's to say too? We don't because we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Maybe he goes to Spags and is like, "Hey, I want to get some more quality reps. Mm-hmm. I want to get out there. I want to do this." And then us as 
you know, viewers and, and media and things like that were like, oh, my God, Thornhill is running with the threes. Like, uh, I, I mean, who knows? He maybe could have went to him and been like, hey, I want it. I mean, we were, we've talked to Darcy, and, and that's something we haven't even talked about is the backup quarterbacks because we know Patrick Mahomes is special. But freaking Gordon, if you go back and yeah. look at his stats and what he's been able to do, you know, maybe he wants to see what Gordon provides as a perspective, as a, a comparison to another quarterback. I mean, I, I just think that there's a lot that could be going on that we just don't really see or understand. And that's, you know, if this becomes a trend, then yeah, it would be a, a thing to con- be concerned about. But if he's doing it maybe once or twice here and there, I don't think it's anything to even buy into. Well, you almost have to wonder if the Chiefs are still concerned about Juan Thornhill's injury history and the knee, if there's something going on there, because uh, Armani Watts running with the ones like that's kind of strange because they've almost never shown any interest in getting Armani Watts snaps with the defense. So maybe they're they should. Pre- He's pretty good. Maybe I, I'm an Armani Watts stand. <laughs> maybe they're preparing for Thornhill to maybe miss some time. Maybe that's why they signed Will Parks again. More Thornhill insurance. Uh, I'm not sure. You almost have to kind of think about it from that aspect too. You know, uh, is there something we don't know about Juan Thornhill's injuries that the Chiefs aren't telling us about? Maybe we'll yeah. see Earl Thomas in a Chiefs uniform. <laughs> Well, you know, it almost happened a couple of years ago, so. I know. I know. I don't know if he'll he'll sign anywhere now, but. No. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I could see – I could honestly see that being, you know, if it really truly is a concern, that would be a spot that they look when, you know, cuts are happening because, you know, I, I don't think Parks makes his team, especially with him not oh, even wow. being out there. Um, yeah. I, I just personally not seeing him at all, even in, I don't, I, I could be, I could be wrong, but I don't think he played in that preseason game. No, he did. He had a, a pretty good tackle on special team. Okay. Well, then but th- that's, that, that's the thing though. You know how many guys like Armani Watts and Darwin Thompson and, and really cheap talent could do on special teams where Will Parks could do like Will Parks is getting paid and yeah. the chiefs would rather not pay him. So I, I could definitely see them cutting him, especially because he's had a really quiet camp in which he's not really getting any substantial snaps. And, and I would feel like he would if he was going to get that role that we kind of thought that he would. Yeah. That's interesting because uh, I always thought of Parks as kind of the shoe in for like that um, fourth safety behind Dan, Tyron, and Juan, but We'll have to see, especially with uh, Watts getting some snaps with first team. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Uh, I got nothing else, though. Uh, I guess we could wrap up there unless you guys had anything else you wanted to bring up. Well, I was going to say to wrap out for me is, yeah, you know, yeah. we we were really looking today and um, Allegretti was taking some snaps at center. I heard. Um, and so I'm kind of wondering if Blythe might be something that they look as not an option on the team, because I think there's somebody else that can take snaps. Um, so that would be something to kind of pay attention to. I mean, I, I may not be buying too much into that, but I just thought it was strange that Allegretti was um, he ran with the ones uh, for most of the time down the field when, you know, they were going away from us and he was the center. So well, um, and very interesting there. I had said, too, that I feel like Blythe could be a surprise cut because, and look, I haven't been there, but I've heard absolutely nothing about him from training camp. Like, does has he looked good to you guys when you've been there? I just I haven't I, heard much about Blythe He hasn't at all. done anything that I could even talk about. I don't think he's even, like, I, I, I he's 
I, Lucas, I could be wrong, but has he done anything worth even talking about? I don't know if he's even really taken a lot of snaps. Yeah, I, I know he's definitely filled in, but I think when they realized Creed is what Creed is going to be, I think that's where they were more. And, and, you know, we are talking numbers because I they know they have those extensions coming up. Like, they know that if, if they're going to sign Orlando Brown, they want to extend the Honey Badger. Tyreek Hill's coming up. You know, those guys got, have to get paid, and they have to get paid in some some way. So you're going to have to plug in guys that are cheap. Um, you know, and and like you said, cutting a Will Parks, cutting a Austin Blythe, like those are going to free up some some availability to maybe get a Honey Badger locked up for this year and into the future. And then you really approach Orlando Brown next year. Um, and then, you you know, Frank Clark, Anthony Hitchens, those become questions. But I, I think that you really do and you can evaluate, can Austin Blythe be cut and you fill in with success with an Allegretti or uh, maybe somebody else. So, um, it, cause Austin is Austin Ryder still on this team no. or is it Wiley? It's Wiley. Wiley, you can take some snaps too. So yeah, that's another one you got that I think can, can snap the football for you. So that's something to consider is, and you know, I think the long and LDT injuries are huge when it comes to, uh, Wiley's chances of staying on the team. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, anything else from you, Michael? No, dude, I was actually about to fall asleep sitting down. So I, uh, <laughs> we're recording this late at night for everyone that is uh, listening to this. But uh, I've had a blast. Honestly, this is going to be a really good podcast. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, and uh, I guess you just want me to close it out or close out uh, yeah. a statement or something like that? Yeah, well, we all know you got to get your Twinder swipes in before. Baby. Yeah, yeah, my Twinder snipes. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm slurring my words. Jason right Bucker off yeah. the post. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Somebody's a, yeah. Anyway, uh, guys, I really do appreciate uh, this podcast. And I think that uh, for the people that are watching this from my channel, you're going to see a lot of Lucas and Josh on the channel this year. I'm going to incorporate them in live streams. And I, I think that that's going to be another fun dynamic and uh, in addition to this pod. So I'm lo really looking forward to it. Yep, same here. I know Lucas feels the same way. So uh, all that being said, we'll see you guys next time.